Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Good evening. Welcome to Elda's Targeted Individual Community Call. It's Friday, August 18th. 2017. So it's been a while since I've been on, but when I find something relevant, I do share it. Um, so let's start from my own targeting. I've been having some issues at work with uh, racial discrimination, retaliation, uh, gender issues. So I've been working on making sure that that is exposed in reference to how you are treated in the workplace and how uh, sometimes when you are a person of another ethnicity other than Caucasian, you are treated very unfairly in the workplace, and it becomes, uh, how do you put it, it gets to the point where you can either take it or you can stand up against it. And I have chosen to stand up against this type of discriminatory behavior. So I don't want to get into any other details because there's um, ultimately will be an investigation that will transpire. Thank goodness uh, that's happening. So on the another front, um, and this will be good for targets, uh, especially with the non-consensual human experimentation and the utilization of some type of mental disorder in order to discredit the victim of the crimes that are being perpetrated upon and against their human living lives. So one of the key elements is the psychiatric community and the the psychiatric community and the utilization of whitewashing and sanitizing, what's transpiring in order to basically make the targets look bad. And there have been some very, you know, you have to start thinking about this whole thing. You have people who believe in aliens and reptilians and any number of other things that are just out there. And they never come up against them the way that these professionals and also some media outlets have come up against TIs. So why would you be so hostile towards these people unless there's something to hide? And we all know what happened with the APA, which is the American Psychological Association, and the uh, people at the highest levels had to resign and or were fired from their positions because it was found out that they were conspiring with the Department of Defense, Central Intelligence Agency, and all these other agencies to give the impression because they were professionals. So these are people in positions of power, authority, and their expertise. So in the case of the psychologists and from the American Psychological Association, it had to do with abusing their expertise by diminishing and or lowering the standards of what torture was. And if it weren't for those good ethical psychologist who fought back saying, this is unacceptable. You have to remember that, and in my shows, you can go back to my recordings, because there was an entire issue with the American, or APA, the American Psychological Association, and all those, the CEO, the director of uh, public relations, and all these people were found to have colluded with the Department of Defense 
so that they could try to make torture look like it was not torture. It's kind of like whitewashing and sanitizing things. So while all these people were being tortured, they attempted to utilize these specious arguments to try to say that what what happened really didn't happen or what happened really wasn't torture. So they were caught. And you can go back to my shows because I covered all the information, uh, especially with Mitchell and Justin, the psychologists, the architects who designed the torture program. See, these are people who use their expertise to reverse engineer. Instead of healing minds, they use their expertise to deconstruct and reverse engineer their skill set in order to destroy people psychologically. So this is August 17, 2017 from the American Civil Liberties Union or ACLU.org. On the eve of trial, psychologists agreed to historic settlement in ACLU case on behalf of three torture victims, New York, in a first for in a first 40 case involving CIA or Central Intelligence Agency torture, the American Civil Liberties Union announced a settlement today in the lawsuit against the two psychologists who designed and implemented the agency's brutal program. A jury trial was scheduled to begin on September 5th after the plaintiffs successfully overcame every attempt by the psychologists to have the cases the case dismissed. The lawsuit was brought by the American Civil Liberties Union on behalf of Suleiman Abdullah Salim, Mohammed Ahmed Ben Saud, and the family of Gol Rahman, Rahman, who froze to death in a secret CIA prison. The three men were tortured and experimented on using methods developed by the Central Intelligence Agency contracted psychologists James Mitchell and John Bruce Jessen. And they're in Washington State. So let's, let's tell you where they're, they're from. <clears throat> These motherfucking assholes. This is a historic victory for our clients and the rule of law, said ACLU attorney Dror Laden, or D-R-O-R Laden. This outcome shows that there are consequences for torture and that survivors can and will hold those responsible for torture accountable. It is a clear warning for anyone who thinks they can torture with impunity. The full terms of the settlement agreement are confidential. See, I want to settle make it confidential. It's like, you know what? This motherfucking shit is going to court because fuck these disclo- uh, non-disclosures and settlements. I want everybody to know what these fuckers did. So we brought this case seeking accountability and to help ensure that no one else has to endure torture and abuse and we feel that we have achieved our goals. The plaintiff said in a joint statement praising the settlement. We were able to tell the world about horrific torture. The CIA had to release secret records, and the psychologists and high-level CIA officials were forced to answer our lawyers' questions. It has been a long, difficult road, but we are very pleased with the result. Until now, every lawsuit trying to hold people accountable for the CIA torture program has been dismissed at initial stages because the government successfully argued that letting the cases proceed would reveal state secrets. But unlike previous cases, this time, the Justice Department did not try to derail the lawsuit. 
The defendants attempted to dismiss the case multiple times, but the court consistently ruled that the plaintiffs had valid claims. Government officials and contractors are on notice that they cannot hide from accountability for torture, said Hina Shamisi, director of the ACLU National Security Project. Our client's groundbreaking case has changed the legal landscape. It showed that the courts are fully capable of handling lawsuits involving abuses committed in the name of national security. The case was filed in October 2015 basing its legal claims on the declassified facts in the executive summary of the Senate report on CIA torture. During the lawsuit's discovery process, dozens of new documents detailing the torture program were unearthed and the case forced former senior CIA official Jose Rodriguez and John Rizzo, in addition to Mitchell and Jessen themselves, to testify about torture during depositions. Thanks to our clients' commitment and bravery, their stories are public and are new and are new details about the design and implementation of the CIA torture program, said ACLU attorney Stephen Watts. This settlement is a testament to their perseverance and will help them heal. In the court's ruling earlier this month, sending the case to trial, the judge wrote, the evidence would support a finding defendants designed the enhanced interrogation techniques to be used on detainees, and thus they clearly had knowledge they would be so used. In addition to torturing prisoners themselves, Mitchell and Jessen trained other CIA personnel in their methods. In 2005, they founded a company that the CIA contracted with, the, uh, with to run its entire torture program, including supplying interrogators for the agency's secret black site prisons. The government paid the company $81 million over several years. I am so glad to help our clients make a difference through this case, said Lawrence Lesberg of the law firm Gibbons PC. We have long partnered with the American Civil Liberties Union in torture transparency and accountability litigations, and it is deeply satisfying to have come this far. The plaintiffs so- the plaintiffs sued Mitchell and Jessen under the alien tort statute. And if you go to my website, I have that on there because I knew all about that one too. My website's like a dial on the future. A dial on the future. And to the next thing that I'm going to talk about, which is fascism, because that's also on my website. So the plaintiffs sued Mitchell and Jessen under the alien tort statute, which follows federal lawsuits for gross human rights violations for their commission of torture, cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment, non-consensual human experimentation, and war crimes. So, okay, it's not just about torture. What they were doing was experimenting on these individuals without their consent. Sound familiar? As part of the settlement, the plaintiffs and defendants agreed to the following joint statements. Doctors Mitchell and Jessen acknowledged that they worked with the CIA to develop a program for the Central Intelligence Agency that contemplated the use of specific coercive methods to interrogate certain detainees. Plaintiff Gol Rahman was subjected to abuses in the CIA program that resulted in his death and in pain and suffering for his family, including his personal representative, Abba, okay, I'm going to spell it because I don't want to mess up the name, O-B-A-I-D-U-L-L-A-H. Plaintiff Suleiman Abdullah Salim and Mohammed Ahmed Ben Saud 
were also subjected to coercive methods in the CIA program, which resulted in pain and suffering for them and their families. Plaintiffs assert that they were subjected to some of the methods proposed by Drs. Mitchell and Jessen to the CIA and stand by their allegations regarding the responsibilities of Dr. Mitchell and Dr. Jessen. Drs. Mitchell and Jessen assert that that the abuses of Mr. Salim and Mr. Ben Saud occurred without their knowledge or consent and that they were not responsible for those actions. Drs. Mitchell and Jessen also assert that they were unaware of the specific abuses. They're full of fucking shit. Uh, Drs. Mitchell and Jessen, because they were a part of it the whole time. Architects don't How can you say you didn't know what the fuck was going on when you fucking were the architect who made it happen? Doctors Mitchell and Jessen also assert that they were unaware of the specific abuses that ultimately caused Mr. Rahman's death and are also not responsible for those actions. Doctors Mitchell and Jessen state that it is regrettable that Mr. Rahman, Mr. Salim, and Mr. Ben Saud suffered these abuses. The attorneys representing the plaintiffs are Shah... Chomsi, or Shah Chomsi, and Laden of the ACLU's National Security Project and Watt of the ACLU Human Rights Program. Emily Chang of the ACLU of Washington, Lutzburg, Kate Jankowska, J A N U K O W I C Z, Daniel McGrady, and Avram Frey of the law firm Gibbons PC. So uh, remember that name targets because we're going to have to start looking at some law firms. Personally, I would like to get um, an organized crime law firm because no one knows how to fight the government better than law firms that know how to fight against organized when their clients in organized crime have to fight the government. Because we're dealing with the RICO Act and the Hobbs Act, that's organized crime. Only it's on the government side that committed a conspiracy against their own fellow citizens. Los Angeles, Anthony DiCaprio of the law offices of Anthony DiCaprio and Jeffrey Finer or Thinner of the Center for Justice, Spokane, Washington. So that's good news. You can sue these people. I have a, I'm wearing a shirt right now that says sue the bastards because that's exactly what needs to happen for what they've done. But instead of the settling and then you can't disclose what you settled for, that's a crock of shit. These people need to be exposed full on for what they've done to innocent American citizens and how they radicalized into extremism their cult of sleeper cell civilians in community after community, state after state, city city after city, state after state, and nation after nation. They have an entire network of sleeper cells that they can activate whenever somebody goes on the list that they want to destroy. Fuck that shit. So that's good news for Target. And I'm linking everything so you can go to the chat grabber, go to my show for this date, and you can pull all the source material. Now I have this on my website. And this is what I saw coming down the pike. As a victim of what, as a victim of an organized group of fucking criminals, state corporate and academia sponsored, sanctioned, and covered up. 
occult sleeper cells, civilian sleeper cells that they can activate because they have brainwashed into a false ideological belief system. Cause-driven zealots who, are, who commit indiscriminate acts of violence against the person that has been targeted within that community to see if they could radicalize these average Americans to turn on their neighbors that has been targeted and commit these atrocities. We have dead targets to prove how far some of these communities have gone. And thank goodness there is no statute of limitation on murder in the first degree. So on my website, I put this thing called the 14 Characteristics of Fascism. <clears throat> like I said, my website is a dial on the future, and it's been published for years, long before any of this shit started happening. And there's people before me who are also identifying the whole process that was unfolding. And instead of listening, you've been, I've been ridiculed, just like others. So this is on rents.com. 14 defining characteristics of fascism. Dr. Lawrence Britt has, and I've also recorded this information. I'm like a broken fucking record. So Dr. Lawrence Britt has, okay, so I'm sorry, Dr. Lawrence Britt, a source-free inquiry, this was in 2003, May 28, 2003. Dr. Lawrence Britt has examined the fascist regimes of Hitler in Germany, Mussolini, Italy, Franco, Spain, Suarto, Indonesia, and several Latin American regimes. Britt found 14 defining characteristics common to each. So here's the, uh, here are the 14 characteristics of fascism. One, powerful and continuing nationalism. Fascist regimes tend to make constant use of patriotic mottos, slogans, symbols, songs, and other paraphernalia. Flags are even uh, seen everywhere as are flags, uh, as are flag symbols of, on clothing and in public display. Two, Disdain for the recognition of human rights. Because of fear of enemies and the need for security, the people in fascist regimes are persuaded that human rights can be ignored in certain cases because of need. The people tend to look the other way or even approve of torture, summary executions, assassination, long incarcerations of prisoners, etc. Three, identification of enemy and or scapegoats as a unifying cause. The people are rallied into a unifying patriotic frenzy over the need to eliminate a perceived common threat or foe, foe racial, ethnic, and or religious minorities, liberals, communists, socialists, terrorists, etc. Four, supremacy of the military. Even when there are widespread domestic problems, the military is given a disproportionate amount of government funding and the domestic agenda is neglected. Soldiers and military service are glamorized. Five, rampant sexism. The governments of fascist nations tend to be almost exclusively male-dominated. Under fascist regimes, traditional gender roles are made more rigid. Divorce, abortion, and or homosexuality are suppressed, and the state is represented as the ultimate guardian of the family institution. Six, controlled mass media. Sometimes to media is sometimes to media is directly controlled by the government 
but in other cases, the media is indirectly controlled by government regulations or sympathetic media spokespeople or persons and executives. Censorship, especially in wartime, is very common. Seven, obsession with national security. Fear is used as a motivational tool by the government over the masses. Eight, religion and government are intertwined. Governments in fascist nations tend to use the most common religion in the nation as a tool to manipulate public opinion. Religious rhetoric and terminology is common from government leaders, even when the major tenets of the religion are diametrically opposed to the government's policies and or actions. Nine, corporate power is protected. The industrial and business aristocracy of a fascist nation often are the ones who put the government leaders into power, creating a mutually beneficial business-government relationship and power elite. Ten, labor power is suppressed. Because the organizing power of labor is the only real threat to a fascist government, labor unions are either eliminated entirely or are severely suppressed. Eleven, disdain for intellectuals and the arts. So this one, I waver back and forth because a lot of the targeting comes from intellectuals. But the question is, what type of intellectuals are they really? Disdain for intellectuals and the arts. Fascist nations tend to promote and tolerate open hostility to higher education and academia. It is not uncommon for professors and other academics to be censored or even arrested. Free expression in the arts and letters is openly attacked. Twelve, obsession with crime and punishment. Under fascist regimes, the police are given almost limitless power to enforce laws. The people are often willing to overlook police abuses and even forego civil liberties in the name of patriotism. There is often a national police force with virtually unlimited power in fascist nations. 13. Rampant cronyism and corruption. Fascist regimes almost always are governed by groups or friends of friends and associates who appoint each other to government positions and use governmental power and authority to protect their friends from accountability. It is not uncommon in fascist regimes for national resources and even treasures to be appropriated or even outright stolen by government leaders. 14. Fraudulent elections. Sometimes elections in fascist nations are a complete sham. Other times, elections are manipulated by smear campaigns against or even assassinations of opposition candidates. Use of legislation to control voting numbers or political district boundaries and manipulation of the media. Fascist nations also typically use their judiciary to manipulate or control elections. That is the 14 characteristics of fascism. And now why am I talking about that? Well, because we had an incident in Charlottesville, but this has been going on for a long time. You can go to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they have what's called the hate map. And it shows you all the groups where there have been incidents of these hate groups. But what you find is that what happened in Charlottesville, you have the commander-in-chief basically not not going against what happened and trying to blame both sides. And I know all about that because I'm dealing with that at work right now, and I actually documented even before the Charlottesville happened. It is a, mind, it, it, it is a narrative that's utilized 
by this type of mentality where they automatically know that they're guilty, but what they do is they try to shift, project that guilt onto the victim or the victims. But see, I live in America. I don't live in Nazi Germany, fascist Nazi Germany. And as an American, I have a right to fight against fascism. So the both sides aren't guilty, you see, because these individuals who carried torches, and by the way, not only did they carry torches, but they were armed and they had lighter fluid, which means that at any time they were prepared to set people on fire. So that's fear and intimidation, okay? You can go to my website and the State Department, there, there's, a, there's a term for, for terrorism. It's about the inculcation of intimidation and fear against an individual group or groups and or individuals, communities, to change the opinion, to bully them. Okay, that's about fascism. This is, this is America, not a fascist nation. And so when they proclaim that they are fascists and Nazis, then as an American, it's basically your duty to fight against that type of regime that wishes to take over this country and you have a commander-in-chief who promotes and makes excuses for such behavior. You talk about free speech. Yeah, I do believe in free speech. But when you proclaim yourself to be a Nazi, then you're proclaiming that you're not American, but you're a fascist. Then what are you doing in America? So I have a big problem with that. So it wasn't about both sides being guilty. It was about one side utilizing these type of bully pulpit tactics, utilizing torches, and walking through, trying to intimidate other people into silence. See, I know all about that because not everyone in my neighborhood targets me. But those people who keep silent have information that I could use to put these motherfuckers in prison where they goddamn belong. Because silence isn't an option either. But they have been intimidated into silence because they don't want to be targeted. You know, I have said from the beginning that Trump is the manifestation of the perpetrator, perpetrator community in a nutshell. Like a dial on the future, I have outlined all of it. Not because I'm psychic, but because I'm a victim of their crimes as they built this regime. It didn't happen overnight. They have been going from community to community, infiltrating every segment of society, spilling, spewing their poison, manipulating, coercing, and brainwashing people to act against their own self-interest, to do harm to someone who never did anything to them. In most of the cases, TIs don't even know the perpetrators. But they have, these people have jumped on board because they're cause-driven. 
because they have been manipulated into a negative false light narrative about an innocent person because they wanted to see if these people would pick up whatever tactic, technique, and or weaponized technology was handed to them under military-grade capabilities and fire them indiscriminately at an unarmed, defenseless human being. Get them so radicalized that they wouldn't give a shit what happened to that person that they didn't even know. All based on negative false light narratives that were sold to them. Carefully edited sound bites. And videos. Not showing how they provoke someone, but only showing the other side of it because a person can only take so much. And then trying to blame that person for what somebody else did. And Trump encapsulated all of it. And every target out there knows that. That he went and blamed the other, tried to blame the other side to try to diminish and whitewash and sanitize the reality of people who are proclaiming to be fascists in America. Fuck that shit. But once again, any target who's documented and outlined their own targeting can show you line for line, tactic for tactic, how this has been unfolding. It didn't happen overnight. It's community after community, city after city, state after state, nation after nation. We have a global initiative on these motherfuckers who dropped ship and manipulated people and got them to have them so under their thumb now that all they have to do is say, here's the person's car, here's the person's picture, go after them. And watch these radical extremists cut loose. They turned American soil into a motherfucking laboratory. And they're using everybody, whether it's through their cultural hegemony, through their human, non-consensual human experimentation, to the groupthink. And all these people, state corporate and academia, think that these communities are their laboratories to fuck with other human beings. They should be lined up and executed the way they executed the Nazi doctors. So why did I say fashion? Well, there was something else that came, that came up, and this was something that happened to uh, this happened when there was a at the California State Capitol there was a gathering of these individuals, and um, there's a teacher. I mean, this woman was about five feet tall. She's a small Asian woman, and I guess she got into a fistfight with one of these big ball-headed Nazis. And so I have the link on it, and you can see the picture, and it says teacher accused of punching. I'm sorry, this is in the Huffington Post.com. Uh, by David Moy, M-O-Y-E. It says, teacher accused of punching neo-Nazi says standing up to fascism isn't a crime. We have the right to defend ourselves, Yvette Salarca, F-E-L-A-R-C-A, told the court. Uh, Let me see if I can get this to go. The date was uh, August 16, 2017. 
Again, this was on Huffington Post, and I just gave you the caption. A middle school teacher in Berkeley, California, accused of punching a neo-Nazi during a 2016 protest is arguing that standing up to fascism, standing up to fascism is not a crime. Yvette Salarka, 47, was arrested last month for her involvement in a June 2016 anti-fascist demonstration held in Sacramento, California. Salarka, who is a member of an activist group called By Any Means Necessary, or B-A-M-N, has been charged with felony assault, as well as two misdemeanor counts of inciting and participating in a riot, according to KPIX-TV. Footage of the demonstration appears to show Felarca repeatedly punching a member of the traditionalist worker party, a white nationalist group described as a front for neo-Nazi sympathizers by ABC 10. The trailer, the, the taller man is holding up his hands while trying to get police officers to help. Other protesters drag the man to the ground before the police intervene. At her arraignment last week, Salarka told the court that the charges against her are false and should be dropped. Standing up against fascism and the rise of Nazism and fascism in this country is not a crime, she said. We have the right to defend ourselves. Back in 2016, Falarka told reporters that the goal of the demonstration was to shut down the Nazi scum. They are organizing to attack and kill us, she said at the time, according to Al Jazeera. So we have the right to self-defense. That is why we have to shut them down by any means necessary. Falarka told the Los Angeles Times back then that her group's protest was a success because it chased away the neo-Nazis and kept them from recruiting new members. Falarka's next scheduled court date is October 4th. She is scheduled to teach at her Berkeley Middle School when the students return later this month and cannot be legally fired unless she is convicted of a felony, according to KPIX-TV. So here's a woman, a teacher, and she's like, I'm not having this in this country. You believe in the ideological principles of fascists, but you're in the United States of America. There are soldiers who died fighting the Nazis. There are millions of Russian soldiers who died fighting Germany and that fascist regime. You don't get to come to this country or be in this country and think that you're going to change it into a fascist nation. It's never going to happen. Just like I'm going to tell you right now, you're never going to put people in the back of the buses ever fucking again unless they want to sit there. This shit is not going to happen in this day and age. I don't think it. I know it. So remember that, any of you white nationalists out there or you neo-Nazis, because you've already threatened my life on several occasions. You used to troll my show all the time, calling me names. I'll never back down, ever. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're in for a big-ass motherfucking fight because people aren't going to the back of the bus and they're not going to be segregated to use another bathroom. It's not going to happen in the 21st century. 
Okay, so now this is something that could, can go on more of a conspiracy side, but maybe not. Because as a target, you should be aware of tactic, tactics that they use, power of suggestion, power of association, rep- repetition, right, to get you conditioned. It's trauma-based mind control. See, I see the difference between brainwashing and mind control. Brainwashing is selling someone a bullshit story and radicalizing these people based on that principle or story or negative false light narrative to get them all riled up. And then they become cause-driven. You see these anti-abortion people, you see these anti-LGBTQ you know, LGBTQ people, all that shit. That's, that's a principle that in their brains, okay, it's not because someone electrocuted them in order to get them to capitulate. They didn't experiment on them, although it is a social experiment that they're doing, but not in the same way. I call them the one core capability individuals of the five military core capabilities in information operation, you know, psychological operations, military deception, operational security, right, electronic warfare, computer networks, you know, all that shit, okay, directed energy, all that, okay. At the end of the day, your perpetrator community are one core capability. So they couldn't even make it past the five military core capabilities for joint special operations, joint special forces, because they couldn't make it past a bullshit story, a negative false light narrative that was sold to them by a handler before they jumped on board and became radicalized into extremism, committing indiscriminate acts of violence against that targeted victim. Shit. My check engine light keeps going on in the car that I've spent $2,000 having fixed. Why? Because they fuck around with shit. Who knows? Maybe the transition was moved when I brought my car and there was another uh, uh, Acura MDX there. Swapped out the engines because that engine was falling apart. But I know this vehicle was taking, I mean, as much work as it needed, I know the transmission wasn't going out because I drove it. There was never a problem. But the point of the argument is they didn't, it didn't take much for them to jump on board and radicalize them. They didn't need to be tortured, electrocuted, robbed, raped. They didn't have any of that stuff done to them. All they had was someone who showed them a video, sent them to a website with sock puppets saying all these people hated this individual. Oh, here are some things. Listen to this as they carefully cut and paste and edited vocals, verbals, speech. And they jumped on board. And thank goodness for the true Title 18 definition of conspiracy. Because see, we have targeted victims who come forward to all proper authorities at the local, state, and federal federal levels, non-government organizations, lawyer after lawyer, and motherfucking law firm after law firm to put a stop to this fucking bullshit. But nothing happened to them. Now, mind you, you, there, there is a term that is utilized when you are attempting in the spy agencies to get your assets. And they use the term SMICE, okay, S-M-I-C-E. What does that mean? They say that you can pretty much manipulate 
anyone or get anyone to do something for you based on this, these acronyms, S-M-I-C-E. S stands for sex, honey traps, okay? M stands for money, bribery, get you something, give you something that you need, right? So S-M, now you have I. What does I stand for? Ideology, causes. Recruit this group of Christian fundamentalists against that target by selling a narrative that that person is a demonic worshiper, worships the devil, does something that they are diametrically opposed to in that group. Prey upon the weaknesses of these groups or and or individuals who can manipulate their member base to jump on board. It's all outlined. All outlined. I've already published it. Okay, so SMI, C. What is C? Coercion, blackmail. So they found something on you, and they, you live next door to this person, and so they say, either you let us set up our equipment, or we're going to tell your wife about the affair you had, or whatever, something negative, because they have insider information. Always remember this. This whole concept of surveillance is not about the war on terrorism. It's about insider, obtaining insider information. It is about intellectual property theft. And it is also about building profiles so if you ever need to get to someone, you have the goods on them so that you can blackmail them to do what you want them to do. It is not about fighting terrorism as they claim. It is about these people at the highest level wanting information so they can capitalize on that information. So all this national security and war on terror and we got to monitor everyone is a crock of motherfucking shit. Have these motherfuckers found any goddamn terrorists? Have they foiled any of these goddamn fucking crimes that are taking place? Absolutely not. Number one, because they can't recognize themselves. So how are you going to find terrorists if you can't recognize that the tactical operations that you use are terrorist tactical operations? But above and beyond that, these people want insider information. So you, you know, they, and there was a perfect example. You didn't even have to hear the conversation. You knew that, say, Google was talking to Microsoft. And then you noticed that the lawyers were talking. And then all of a sudden on a Saturday, the, the, the lawyers and the Googles were, uh, and Microsoft were meeting. So you know that probably a merger or something is taking place. So on Monday fucking morning, you go and you start buying stocks because you know that when the merger takes place, your stocks are going to go through the motherfucking roof. That's what this shit is about. How many terrorist operations? You know, they say they foil things. You mean the ones when you use a mentally ill person or a a developmentally disabled person and you radicalize them to do shit for you because you manipulated them and from beginning to end, the Federal Bureau of Investigation had their informants setting people up? What was it, two-thirds of all so-called, quote-unquote, terrorist plots? This is all documented information. Two-thirds of the terrorist plots that the Federal Bureau of Investigation and National Security claim that they have foiled, in each one of those cases, there was an informant who was told, and making hundreds of thousands of dollars a job, 
to set innocent people up or to get radicalized people to commit these acts of terror. So why don't don't people, instead of judging, why don't they get off their fucking asses and do some research? Because you have an Internet that gives you true information that you can use to critically think before you make decisions. And instead, you get into your group thinks. And whatever the leader says, you guys believe is true. And you don't source it through all kinds of different areas to find the information so that you can make an informed decision. I don't know how many times I've seen these perpetrators think that I don't know what I'm talking about because they know what the truth is. Now, how would they know what the truth is if all they do is listen to a leader who tells them what the truth is? Because he's the head of the group or because this pastor told me. So, therefore, it must be true. Did you know that your pastor was manipulated by a handler? who wanted that, wanted that person because he knew or she knew, the handler knew, that they could get that person to manipulate their member base to believe whatever bullshit that that person told them? So it's, it's just getting to the point where I'm glad that I documented everything a long time ago. And I don't give a shit what these fucking psychiatrists where they claim. You know who the you know who these psychiatrists? It's kind of like doing this. Uh, uh, John McCain now has that blastoglioma, glioma tumors. Okay, they have shown that exposure to non-ionizing radiation, the radio frequencies that come out of say cell phones, okay, can cause brain cancer. But see, most they they dispute that because the vast majority of the research is done by people who stand to lose millions, hundreds of millions of dollars if people believe or if people are told the truth. So when you have these research about exposure to non-ionizing radiation, the radio frequencies that come through Wi-Fi technology, through cell phones, okay, that's all non-ionizing radiation. But they'll sit there and they'll, the telecoms will pay for the research. So of course the research is going to be slanted in their favor or it doesn't cause cancers. So this narrative-driven stuff that goes on, and people don't, and because, oh, this person said that it doesn't cause cancer, so therefore, it's okay if I keep blasting that target and keep overexposing that person to non-ionizing radiation. What is the key word in non-ionizing radiation? The term radiation. You're still exposing someone. But see, the handler told them that it was okay. The handler told them that that person was just being dramatic. They weren't really torturing them when they pushed those buttons. And because someone else told them, then they try to absolve themselves from accountability and responsibility for the fact that they were torturing someone. So you have all these ignorant people who think they have it all figured out, and yet they don't even realize that they have been manipulated. by a handler, and they never took the time to critically think for themselves because they would rather go along to get along than to stand up against this motherfucking bullshit. 
And they have the unmitigated gall to call a target a name. So now I'm going to go into the so-called conspiracy, though. But I think there's some truth to this because as a target, because I severely digress, because I have a lot to say. So if you ever want to get into a semantical argument about what you think I am, I can go on for days. Because I know who I am, and that is what saved my life this whole time that I've been targeted. There's not a person out there who's going to claim that they know who I am. I know who I am, and nobody is going to tell my story. So anyway, this whole concept of, um, there was an article that came out in uh, Alternate, and it was from a uh, San Francisco hypnotist, actually. And there's this thing that, I first recognized it, and I see uh, Trump using these tactics. It's a power of suggestion, power of association. Sometimes when you use your hands, so like he might, he puts his hands in. So whatever he wants to think is, is a minimal. So say like with this Charlottesville. So he'll go and he'll bring his hands in to make it look like the neo-Nazis are this small thing. And then he'll bring his hands out, right, to say that the other side was bad. Then he'll bring his hands back in and say, oh, but the, you know, the white supremacist and blah, blah, blah. And then he'll bring his hands out, okay? So when you bring your hands in, what you're doing, you're making it look like it's no big deal, right? It's a small thing. But when you bring your hands out, okay, then you're making it look like, oh, the other side is really bad. And these are power suggestion, power of association type of things that are used by mentalists and hypnotists. And there are people who are being trained on how to utilize these tactics to manipulate other people. And one of the things that came out of it was Trump, uses this thing called yank and pull when he shakes somebody's hand. So the person will be making a speech at the podium or he'll be sitting next to them and he'll like be all kind and, you know, he'll touch them really gently and probably say nice, kind words. And all of a sudden he'll jerk them really hard, okay? When you jerk someone like that, you take them out, you disorient that person. So they call it yank and pull and there's plenty of YouTube videos showing the tactic that Trump uses. And what it is is that, so that person is thinking, you know, say the crowd's cheering, he just, he, he's made a speech and then he turns around and then Trump will pat him really nice and it's all passive and then all of a sudden he'll yank his hand really hard and then whisper something in their ear. Most of the time hypnotists use this, it's called rapid or shock induction. These are all tactics that are used to manipulate. So that shock, right? So then he pats them, and they call it yank and pull. That's how the news has talked about it. They think it's a joke, but it's really a tactic that's used by professionals, mentalists, or hypnotists. And what that does is it disorients the person, and the next thing you say is something that sticks into their brain unconsciously. Most of the time, the hypnotists that use this rapid or shock induction say the word sleep. So they'll talk to you passively and say, how are you doing? How was your day? Blah, blah, blah. And they'll catch you. And if everything is super, super passive, then all of a sudden you're in a relaxed or trusting. And then all of a sudden they jerk you really hard and that shocks you. And that makes you more susceptible or hyper-suggestive 
at that point to whatever the next command is. It's a tactic. And when you start recognizing the tactic, you will see the number of people in high levels who are starting to utilize this tactic to manipulate the masses. So one example was when uh, Jeremy Scahill, he had a book signing down in downtown Los Angeles, and it was uh, uh, Drone Wars. And so I wanted to go down there, and I wanted to hand him this 35-page outline of what targeting was about, from the organized stalking to the electronic warfare to the computer network exploitation, all the, all the capabilities, all the way to the non-consensual human experimentation in the weaponization of neuroscience and neurotechnologies to also utilize forms to manipulate people. This is about control. And so when I went there, I waited in line, and he was sitting down, and so he's in the autograph signing mode. Hi, how are you? What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. And the person is talking, so he is in that mode right? So he's in a mode where he is, he's, he's, you know, signing books. It's passive, more like a passive state. The moment I get ready, it's my turn. And as I step up to him, before he can look up at me, a man from the side jumped up and came up to the table and scared the shit out of me, like I'm sure it scared the shit out of him. And then all of a sudden, he was saying, you need to see the reluctant fundamentalist. You've got to see this movie. And actually, it's a really good movie. But the point was the term, fundamentalist. And so what he did was when he jumped to the table and shocked and scared both of us, he utilized, so then Scahill is looking up at this person, hearing the term fundamentalist. And the guy kept repeating the word fundamentalist. So then he goes, yeah, 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 I heard about it. I'll see it. But what happened was he just shocked Scahill. So when I came up, and he looks over, power of suggestion, power of association. So automatically, when he looked at me, he was in a defensive mode. Why? Because he was taken out of his zone of signing books to someone who shocked him so that the next thing he saw after hearing the word fundamentalist was to look at me. So anything I had to say thereafter, he was on the defense. They used the tactic on him. And so when I saw the Yankin pool, and I'm noticing he's using a lot of these mentalist tactics, and he does it, and he's on television. He's manipulating people. These are specific tactics that are used, and these hypnotists or mentalists are very aware of how these tactics are used. Now, if you're training someone to manipulate the masses, you start utilizing the shock and then power of suggestion, power of association. Well, you know, well, like I said, you see Trump sometimes he's talking, his hands go low, go wide, go low, go wide, right? Goes in and goes out. So start looking at when he's saying what he's trying to minimize and what he's trying to exaggerate as a negative. And you can see how he uses his gestures in order to manipulate the viewing audience that doesn't even know that they're being manipulated. <laughs> so... Let me give you something on the, it's called instant induction or instant hypnosis induction. And so instant hypnosis induction is a, a, a rapid or shock induction. So remember, you're all relaxed, and then all of a sudden someone shocks you. Okay, so one, that takes you right out of, right out of that, that safety zone, so that whatever the, the next thing that's said or seen becomes the power of suggestion, the power of association.
right? So the suggestion in the case for me was fundamentalism. And then the association was when he turned to look at me, that was what was set in his mind. So instant hypnosis and rapid hypnosis induction are specular hypnotic techniques that are actually very easy to do. The instant induction is a form of covert and secret hypnosis. Instant inductions are used by all stages, stage hypnotists to produce a sudden and dramatic hypnotic trance. Instant hypnosis inductions are easy to learn. And so they're actually teaching people how to do this. So what it is is that, you know, you're, you're relaxed, you're trusting, and then boom, someone jerks your arm. Okay, you just shocked that person. Now they become more susceptible to the next thing that's said. Most of the time, hypnosis who do it, and you've seen it, I think there's that, now you see me, which is like a copy of what all the targets had already documented and talked about, and then they use that in that uh, movie, Now You See Me, and that's that rapid shock induction. And they showed how they got people to think what they were thinking by putting visions or, or things in front of them. Darren Brown has shown how you do this. That's why targets talk about, oh, they all were in the same color or the same car or the same color car. See, these are all things because they want you to associate something negative or whatever negative thing they do so that down the road they could trigger you. But that's coercive methodologies. You remember like torture? They didn't just experiment. I mean, they didn't just torture. They were experimenting on how to utilize coercive methodologies to manipulate people to do or say what you wanted them to do. These are military-grade tactics that are being deployed and executed on the streets of America. So anyway, that's instant and rapid hypnosis. But but there was an article that came out, and it was... um, Let me find it over here. In alternate. And so, like I said, you can think it's a conspiracy or not. But you start, once you understand the tactics, you start seeing the people who use them and you know they are compromised individuals, flat out. So Trump, so this is, I'm sorry, this was posted in alternate by Liz Posner from alternate, August 15, 2017. Trump may actually have millions of Americans hypnotized, expert says. Maybe it's not just distraction tactics, but actual mind control. What kind of joke is Donald Trump playing on America? Question mark. Six months into his presidency, some believe there may not be a master scheme, conspiracy, or trick of puppeteering at all. Could he be inadvertently engaged in dot, 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 mind control? Question mark. Hear me out. Others have pointed out Trump's habit of gaslighting. So you know what gaslighting is, right? It's like uh, the movie was about how the woman, you know, they would remove the picture, and then you say, well, the picture was there. I don't know what happened to it. And then the other person says, oh, you must be losing your mind. There was never a picture there. You know, that kind of bullshit. Like they do, they do to targets all the time. Hey, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know what you're talking about. Really, because I just saw you by my car. Uh, I I don't know what you're talking about. You know how they reverse it. And so that's gaslighting. Um, What was it that just came on that... Oh, there's a movie called um, Collateral Beauty. And Helen Mirren utilizes the term gaslighting someone. For those people who don't know what it is, every target knows what it is, but let me give you the 
the urban dictionary or whatever you want to call it for gaslighting. My internet would be slowing down right now because they don't like what I have to say. <coughs> so it says there's a one big one. It says a gaslight or gaslight means manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Well, hey, fuck every target out there had to think about that one until you realize that a, a professional tactical operation was deployed and executed against every aspect of your living life. And if you don't know yourself, then you're, you're, it's going to be harder to get out of it. You have to know who you are and the difference between what the fuck they're doing and who you are. So you may, in the beginning, though, you're, you're blitzed. You know, that is an NSA term that they utilize, which is called blitzing. They said that they could take paranoia to a whole different level when they blitz you with every capability, including cyber capabilities, and they fuck you up bad psychologically. But once you get past that, now what you have to do is start studying what these people do and then outing the tactical operations so that if you publish this stuff, it'll help the next victim find information faster so that they don't go through the terror and trauma that they put targets through. So gaslighting, this is in the Urban Dictionary, says uh, a form of intimidation or psychological abuse, sometimes called ambient abuse, where false information is presented to the victim, making them doubt their own memory, perception, and quite often their sanity. The classic example of gaslighting is to switch something around or on someone that you know they're sure to notice, but then deny knowing anything about it and to explain that they must be imagining things when they challenge these changes. A more psychological definition of gaslighting is an increasing frequency of systematically withholding factual information from and or providing false information to the victim, having the gradual effect of making them anxious, confused, and less able to trust their own memory and perception. Okay? So like I said, you have to be strong in knowing who you are because they'll come at you with everything they've got. But if you know thyself, it's a lot harder for what they try to do. So anyway, this is what they're talking about in this article. I'm sorry, I digress because sometimes people don't know what I'm talking about. So I give you the definitions of what it is, and then you can go on your own and do your own research so that you can make an informed decision instead of following the leader into doing shit that you shouldn't be doing. Okay, so it says, hear me out. Others have pointed out Trump's habit of gaslighting the American public, that is, offering alternative truths that make us question our sanity. Then there's his pattern of using distraction tactics to make us look the other way while truly devastating policies are still at play. For example, Trump tweeted out the transgender military ban in the midst of secret Republican dealings to destroy Americans' Healthcare, but some psychologists see an even more powerful effect. Eric Greenleaf, director of the Milton H. Erickson Institute of the Bay Area, is an expert in hypnosis as a science of psychotherapy. 
He believes Trump is inadvertently hypnotizing Americans, including the powerful and supposedly independent thinking members of his cabinet. And in one way or another, we are all under his trance, not just the folks who voted for him. What is hypnosis and how is Trump doing it? According to Greenleaf, hypnosis is a naturally occurring human experience, not just a stage act as most people think of it. There are five flavors of hypnotic trance. The first part, or one, trance that occurs during trauma, like after you've been in a car accident. So trauma-based. Remember that yank and pull? Okay, that's a trauma, right? You're, 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 you think you're safe, and then they're talking nice to you, and boom, they just throw the rug right out from under you. That makes you more susceptible. It's coercion. Suggestion. Or suggestion through coercion. Two, concentrated attention like the hyper-focus you may have experienced playing high school sports. Three, softly focused contemplative states accessible through meditation or prayer. Four, dreams and visions. And five, trance states induced by surprise or confusion, extreme good or bad news. This last one is the version Trump may be using on us, believes Greenleaf. In Trump land, Greenleaf, sa- Greenleaf says, he, he says A, then he says, I never said A. Then he says, I alone can solve this problem of A. It's essential, essentially distractionary tactics amped up tenfold. Hypnotists shape our attention and where it falls. Perhaps the best parallel is the Wizard of Oz who tells Dorothy, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Look at the fire and listen to the great and powerful Oz instead. Or there's the analogy to the persuasive sales tactic behind QVC. Greenleaf says, to understand the powerful effects of this approach to political speech, consider a natural example of confusion induction. The late night TV shopping channel peppers the viewers with a confusing and contradictory set of statements, numbers, and possibilities. This sweater is one of a kind, available only here for the first 15 callers. Then a message crawls across the screen. If you call before midnight, you can get two for the price of one in so so many easy payments. And in a somewhat stunned state of trance, millions of people do call. To be clear, Greenleaf does not think Trump is hypnotizing anyone intentionally. But I do think that he knows some tactics. And I think he is being taught by experts who are turncoats in, in behavioral modification. Because, see, they don't, they don't actually use the term um, mind control anymore. It's called behavioral modification. It's called neuroscience and psycho, you know, neuropsychology, neuro this, neuro that, brain, 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 the brain project. But for every good that, they, that, that they're finding and what they can do, there's the weaponization of it as well. So rather than most demagogues, Trump is, is I don't think he's unintentionally, I think he does ha- know some of these tactics and he uses them, especially the Yankin pool. And also, the, when he, I've noticed when he talks, he's always using his hands. A lot of hand gestures also have to do with manipulation. 
Uh, Trump is unintentionally controlling people out of fear. Trump's staff members are in a sort of abusive relationship with Trump, which has put them in a state of trance-based on fear. Scaramucci demands demands to Ryan Lizza of the New Yorker who leaked that. I'll fire them are a great example. He likes he he's like an abused dog who has been beaten by his master and is biting to take down his enemies, fueled by some muddled combination of fear and devotion. Trump in in turn feeds these high emotions by alternating between declarations of love for his staff and vicious name calling on Twitter, further setting those around him in shock. Remember that shock induction. <laughs> Trump, in turn, feeds these, I'm oh, sorry, <clears throat> clear evidence that Trump hypnotized his staff. It makes sense that those most dramatically affected are those who spend each day in Trump's direct orbit. Their relationship with him are often intense and volatile. Kellyanne Conway told Joe Scarborough she needed a shower after glorifying Trump on air, but then insisted she respected and admired the president. So it's like a double-edged sword, right? It is commonplace in our understanding of strong emotion that at, at a high pitch, an emotion can shift to the opposite. We know that tears and laughter can at high intensity switch to each other. A lesser-known pair of emotions is disgust and love. At high intensity, one may become the other, Greenleaf says. This certainly explains the explosive relationship Trump has cultivated with his closest advisors. He often humiliates people he claims are on his team, yet they still come back and praise him. After he, after he humiliated Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General praised Trump, shrugging off his bullying as a form of tough love. They're in a kind of spell. They're humiliated, but say they love him anyway, Greenlee says. So see, this is, what, this is why I think part of us targets continue to be targeted, because we don't love the people who tortured us. We want them fucking dead. We don't praise these people. We tell them what scum of the earth they are. What was that saying in Il Postino about pond, uh, pond scum? Or is the, the fungus between the toe scum? We're dealing with that kind of scum just because they have money, just because they're in positions of power, expertise, and authority, and they've abused all of those things. That's exactly what they want. It's that whole concept of that. Um, there's that one when I, I've played it before with John Oliver, and it had to do with the Mumbai one, where they say, we hate and kill everything you stand for. Join us. And it's like, I'd rather slit my fucking wrist, pour salt in the wound, and watch myself bleed to death before I ever joined a group of fucking terrorist fascists like this cult-driven domestic terrorist, state, corporate, and academia-sponsored sanction and covered-up terrorist organization, mass-murdering killers of innocent people. And so that's the type of thing that's not working. They can't figure out why we don't just shut up, why we keep going up against them. Why don't we love them? Why would you love someone who tortures you? Why would you love someone who recruits other people to, call, to target you and torture you and vandalize your property and steal from you and try to get you in trouble? Why would you ever love people like that? Yet these people who are under that type of spell 
have that false belief system. So not only do they have they done it to their handlers, but they think that you should do that to them, and they can't figure out why Target wants them to take all their shit, shove it up their asses, and rotate on it. And that's a part of coercive. And so Trump uses it. So he's aware of the tactic. He abuses these people, yet they go back to him. Why in the fuck would you go back to someone who abused you? Don't you have any pride? Don't you have any self-love? That you would allow someone to treat you like that and think that it is okay. I do these shows because what they have done is not okay. And I'll never accept it. Anyway, it goes on. But the whole concept, though, and you can read it. I linked everything. So the, the, the thing is, is that we are susceptible. They can trigger me. I know they can. But that's part of the trauma. There's a difference between brainwashing and trauma. And even these people, they're not trauma. They're just weak. Because if you stand for someone to treat you like that without cursing their motherfucking asses out, then there's something wrong with your ass. I don't give a shit what kind of job it is. Or who the fuck the person is. So their trauma is a little bit different. They're just obedient. They're just obedient people. They're followers who do as they're told. And they think it's okay. So then they go out and abuse other people. And it just, the cycle just keeps going. And you have these people in professions like the psychiatric professions talking shit about targets, and they're allowing all this, all this pathology to permeate in this country. And they have the gall to call a target a name. But that type of that type of control is more like obedience. Yeah, you're shocked, but if someone said that to you and he talked to you like that, really, you would really put up with it. Oh, that's right. You you gotta you have to keep your position, right? You have the money coming in. You don't want to make any waves. But there are times when it's just not right. So Trump's people who who they allow those people want to stay there and be abused by him, then that's your shit. But mind control. Those are coercive, truly coercive methodologies. And they traumatize targets on a regular basis. I know I suffer from PTSD and trauma. My family asked me once, well, what is all of this about? Or what, what's wrong? And I said, I am traumatized by what they have done. That's why I can be triggered. That's why I get mad. But if you've been treated the way I have, the way other victims of this targeting have, you will react the same way. People know how to dish shit out. 
But I doubt if there's too many people out there who could actually survive being targeted on a daily basis like TIs have. They sit there in their focus group saying, oh, I'd have done this differently. Really? Well, then put your ass in the line of fire on a 24-7 basis, and you never know when the hits are coming or how often they're going to come. Let me see how strong you really are. But see, that's why we know that the people who become perpetrators are people who couldn't take being targeted to begin with. Because all they had to do was sell them a good bullshit story, and they jumped on board. Follow the leaders. Now, you can get me to follow someone, but you have to put me under, and you have to electrocute me and use coercive methodologies, subliminal messaging. That's all coercive. All these guys got, basically, was a good bullshit story. Or like I said, Smice, right? Sex, money, ideology, coercion. Oh, I forgot the E in Smice. E stands for ego. And the vast majority of people, the civilians that are recruited into the perpetrator community are flaming narcissists. Bottom line. You could stoke their ego. Oh, nobody can control you. You, you know, you're so strong. Nobody could do that to you. And then they feed into all that. Oh, I'm so good. I, you know, oh, you're special. Oh, you're this. And all you have to do is feed these narcissists who have borderline and are full-blown psychopathologies that every psychiatrist that's looking from the outside in at this whole targeting knows. All they have to do was feed the egos of these narcissists and they jump on board. So you can use smice. But even then, there's still people who would say, well, I don't think I'd do that. Why would I do that to that person? But you feed someone's ego about how special they are, how wonderful they are, how nobody could ever manipulate them. And then yet you're thinking, and so you're actively participating, you're committing crimes against the humanity of somebody else, and then you're saying nobody can manipulate you. And they keep telling them that over and over and over, how special they are, how you've been chosen. You know, all those keywords that feed the ego. And then they stop thinking for themselves because they buy into the bullshit their handlers are selling them. And they'll commit heinous and egregious crimes against humanity. And they already have. Because we have dead targets to prove it. We have targets that's lives and or minds have been fully destroyed by civilians, by neighbors who bought into the bullshit state corporate and academia sponsored, sanctioned, and covered up. So anyway, this is the thing about hypnosis. And you should look at it. You should look at Darren Brown. He's brilliant. You can go to YouTube. And there was this one where uh, he did this one, and there was a crowd of people, and they took this guy's life. And they allowed the, the audience to choose whether something good or something bad would happen to this person. And every single time, they choose to do something worse to that person instead of doing something good for that person. And it shows 
that when people can be anonymous, when they attack, and you can look at um, uh, Philip Zimbardo. He was here in Monterey, California, at the conference center in the TED Talks back in 2008, and he talked about this. And when people can be anonymous, they will mutilate, maim, and or kill 90% of the time. But when they're face-to-face with someone, they won't do it. Kind of like, you know, how before the KKK, they used to put the sheets on? Now they're just right out in the fucking open. They want you to know that they hate you. But you believe in fascist ideologies. That's not the American way. How could you claim to be a constitutionalist and be a Nazi at the same time? You couldn't possibly be. You see how that hypocrisy runs? So anyway, I'm going to go. I just wanted to share these things because I don't do a show that much because I, have, I work. But when I hear, when I see or read something or there's something that happens that needs to be talked about and I can show how all this stuff ties in to the building of the regime that's out there now, that targets, have warned about this type of targeting, about these type of tactical operations for years, and instead of being believed, we have been ridiculed. What is that, um, Sojanista, about uh, all truth? I have it on the website, the first page. It says, are you a victim of or a potential participant in domestic terrorism by state and corporate sponsored tactics and organized stalking, remote electronic harassment and biological technological terrorism and it says all truth passes through three stages first it is ridiculed second it is violently opposed third it is accepted as self-evident welcome to the unconstitutional police state 2.0 if you are innocent we will beat you till you are guilty and if you are guilty we will beat you till you repent that's how my website starts but I was published even before the Snowden leaks, and so were many other victims of targeting. And we have outlined the tactical operations based upon our experience as a victim of these crimes. You can go there. They have the murder in the first degree, have terrorism, summary and arbitrary execution, the 14 characteristics of fascism. I, taught, I outlined information operations, all of this stuff. In two, I think it was 2010 when I sent it to the Inspector General for the Department of Defense, Waste, Fraud, and Abuse, and I demanded an investigation on who, what, who within the military were utilizing these tactics on American soil against their own citizens. And you know what I heard after I sent the, the send button? Two men came out and said, she nailed us. Yeah. It's not about psychic abilities and magic. It, it's simply about being the victim and studying the tactics that were used, deployed and executed against me, and being able to recognize them in a heartbeat when people are utilizing them. So you have a nice evening. Um, like I said, you can go to the chat grabber for TalkShoe, put in my show number, and you can pull all the links, or you can go to the first page and you can see the links. So you have a nice evening, and see you later. Bye. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.